not all actors are created equal. And this is a statement that holds very true for the artists that we are going to talk about today. Welcome back to another episode of The Actors Room, episode number 11. And we talk about the marvelous Meryl Streep. Can't wait. I think it's going to be a great episode. Here we go. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and welcome back once again to another episode of The Actors Room. It's great to be here, and tonight we talk about Meryl Streep. And uh, like I said earlier in my last episode, I didn't know who I was going to do next. And I usually let you know at the end of the episode who I'm going to do next. Well, I had told you that I had finished early, earlier than I usually do with an episode, so I had some time, I thought. And I, you know what? I sat down and I thought to myself, I didn't know. And I didn't want to force it. I even uh, talked to my brother about it. And he offered a few suggestions. And one of his suggestions was Meryl Streep. And, I've, and I want to do her. I wanted to do her. And so I said to myself, you know, this is the perfect time to do it. Meryl Streep. So here we go. I think that she is without a doubt, the most talented actresses. And I don't want to say, I don't want to keep it limited to only, not just this generation, but maybe all time. Is that so hard to say? Is that hard to believe that she is the greatest actress that ever lived? And when you say something like that, and I truly believe that Marlon Brando was the greatest actor of all time for a man but is Meryl Streep on the other end of the spectrum as far as gender goes is she the greatest actress of all time and I truly believe that most people will say yes more than half because who else is there really if you really think about it who is as great as Meryl Streep there are a lot of beautiful young Uh, up-and-coming actresses and maybe coming up to take her place, but it may take a while because we're going to go over her list of Academy Award nominations and all the wonderful films that she has done. And I got to tell you, it is truly mind-blowing that what her resume consists of. It's truly amazing. I can't wait to talk about her. So here we go. We're going to discuss Meryl Streep. This is a quote from Meryl. Quote, Can I just say, there is no such thing as the best actress. There is no such thing as the greatest living actress. I am in a position where I have secret information, you know, that I know this to be true. End of quote. I go into this episode a little blind because, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that much about her. I don't. Really, when I started doing the research, I realized that. I'm like, uh, as far as personal life, I didn't really know if she was a, uh, 
a happy person, uh, you know, grouch, uh, is she nice, is she not, is she standoffish, is, is she shy, like, De Niro's shy, um, Brando is sort of a standoffish guy, I think, most of the time, uh, James Dean was a standoffish guy, uh, you know, maybe they don't mean to be, but that's just who they are, so I was going into this, I didn't know anything, and I kind of like that about this, this show that I'm doing, is I watch all the performances that Meryl has done, and they're all wonderful. But diving into her life and finding out about her childhood, about how many brothers or sisters she had, uh, where she went to school, all that sort of stuff, like I said before, really fascinates me. So I just wanted to go ahead and point that out. Doing my research, uh, I found her to be quite humble, full of humility, down to earth. And I say this because she was told in high school how beautiful she was, and she didn't believe it. I have also heard her say once or twice that she felt that she was an ugly duckling, especially younger in, in her earlier life. Um, and I said earlier that I did not know that much about her. But the one thing I do remember her saying, because I don't watch a lot of interviews, especially uh, interviews that they give before a movie that they do. I think very normal for an actor or actress to give little interviews before their films just to give a little insight about themselves and the movie. Uh, so I remember her saying something of this nature that when she was younger she thought of herself as a tomboy. Um, and how she came to become a leading lady astonished her. Uh, this sort of thing goes a long way with me uh, in discussing a person's character uh, and having humility. It just goes a long way with me. Um, I really believe there is too much vanity going on in this country, especially the age of the selfies and all that stuff. It's just something I don't understand. But the generation, the younger generation of today, really enjoys looking at themselves because they have so much access to looking at themselves through social media and so on. Things might have been different for my generation if it was so readily available, all of these pictures that you take. It's amazing how many pictures kids of today have of themselves and their friends and all the videos that you can have. It is truly amazing. Uh, but anyway, um, it seems to me that Meryl is not one to lean on her looks. She's a woman with brains and super talent. And she would eventually become the most important actress of multiple generations. Meryl was crowned homecoming queen in high school and remembers thinking how miscast she was. This was so not her, but she was playing the part always making sure she looked good. She got on the homecoming float and waved her white-gloved hand to all the onlookers. She even practiced her laugh. This is interesting to me. Uh, it goes to show that even back then, she wanted to be accepted. And don't we all, at that age, being in high school, it's very important to be accepted by your peers. It just is. And anybody that tells you different, eh, I think they're hiding something. It's so important when you're around 15, 16 years old. You want acceptance. So this is what Meryl Streep would do. She found herself being talented in the way of uh, becoming someone else. So she dyed her hair. She got rid of her glasses that she had. Um, and she wore contacts. I did the same thing around this age. I was a very timid young kid getting picked on. I had glasses that were thick. I had to wear them. And there were actually times I was so embarrassed 
by how thick my glasses were. And, you know, you got to understand, when a little kid has to wear glasses and thick glasses, their eyes look small. And it just makes your face look different. And that just makes a little person, like me at that time, very self-conscious about everything. And your self-confidence is always down at that age anyway. So I can really relate to Meryl Streep. Uh, When she grew up, probably in grade school, she felt uncomfortable having uh, glasses and so on. So she looked forward to shedding all of that and becoming the most, one of the most popular kids in her high school. Meryl felt that she had fooled people to some extent because she never felt worthy of the attention. It is stated in the book written by Michael Shulman called, quote, Her Again, Becoming Meryl Streep, end of quote, that she was learning that transformation, not beauty, was becoming her calling card. She was in, quote unquote, the zone, so to speak. Her zone. I believe it all started at the age of six. And this is a quote about this very thing from Streep herself. Here we go. Quote, I placed my mother's half slip over my head in preparation to play the Virgin Mary in our living room. As I swaddled my Betsy Wetsy doll, I felt quieted and holy, actually. And my transfigured face and demeanor was captured on Super 8 by my dad. And that's the end of the quote. Meryl even goes on to explain how she would take her mother's eyebrow pencil and draw lines on her face to make herself look like her grandmother. She found it enjoyable and interesting to take on her demeanor in essence, to become her. She felt herself being weighted down and she started to feel like her. I love that stuff. That's good. That's good stuff. And and it also goes to show you just how talented she was or was in touch with something even way back then at the age of eight. All right, here we go. Here it is. Mary Louise Streep was born June 22, 1949, in Summit, New Jersey. She was the daughter of Mary Wolf Wilkinson. She was a commercial artist and art editor. Her father, Harry William Streep, Jr., a pharmaceutical executive. Now, she is the eldest of three children. Meryl has two younger brothers named Dana and Harry. Mary was a common name in their family, and before long, her mother took to call her Meryl. She is a distant relative of William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania. The mother's side of the family was Quaker stock, and this stretched back to the Revolutionary War. It is said that Meryl would channel the memories of her mother, Mary, to master her role of Julia Child in the film Julie Julia. And I guess that I wanted to point that out right from the beginning that I think that's such a terrific role. Uh, My wife and I love that movie very much. We just watched it about a week ago, actually. The one where it was about Julia Child. Well, Meryl really based that character on her own mother. Uh, Her mother was warm with a wonderful sense of humor. Her mother was an artistic woman and even worked in a studio on her back porch as a commercial artist, drawing illustrations for local businesses. 
Streep considers her mother the greatest influence in her life. She always told her that she was talented and could do anything she put her mind to. Her father was German, and Harry Streep Jr. was an only child. His nickname was Buddy. Meryl would comment that her father had a sad way about him. I guess depression ran in that side of the family. There was a, a swift distinction between her mom's side and her dad's side. Night and day. Bright and vivacious on one end and dark and sullen on the other. Streep's family moved all around central New Jersey. They lived in Basking Ridge for a period of time and then Bernardsville. Their second child, a boy, was named Harry, and then there was Dana, who was a skinny jokester with freckles. She ran and played with her siblings and even seemed to display a talent of athletics as well. She grew up about 40 miles west of New York City. The street she lived on was lined with trees, and she lived within walking distance of the high school. Her mother Mary would allow the children to possess a day that decided what they were going to do. So I guess what happened was the mother would tell the kids, listen, you can have one day of the week that's yours. And I would assume because there was three of them, maybe they would have a Saturday or a Sunday or something like that. And it was up to them to go ahead and plan stuff for the day. And uh, when it was Meryl's term to pick a day, she was very fond of going to the zoo when she was younger. But when she, you know, matured, her interest evolved into seeing Broadway shows like Oliver, Kismet, and Annie Get Your Gun. She was a bit bossy to her younger brothers because she wanted them to play imaginary games with her. You know, I mean, if she was older, so if you can influence your younger siblings to do things, yeah, you use that to your advantage, right? And she wanted to do plays and reenact stuff, and she needed uh, scene partners even way back then. <laughs> uh, Meryl would also go on to say that she felt nobody liked her as a child. Isn't that sad? I mean, I struggled too as a kid, and but I never really thought that nobody liked me. I mean, there might have been a, like a short period of time where I was really down and felt that, you know, nobody likes me, I'm just a loser. But to think nobody likes you, that is so sad to hear. And you know kids go through that stuff. They do. So sad to hear. The, the other kids in the neighborhood would chase her up into a tree and swing sticks at her. They would, they would swing sticks at her legs and making her bleed. Oh my... Hmm. Okay. Okay. She said, I was ugly. She felt that she was ugly. As a as a child, I'm sorry. I am. I'm just. I'm going to uh, regain myself here. Okay. Here we go. As a child, she had cat-like glasses and a brown nick-length perm. She looked like a middle-aged librarian. But there was one moment when she was 12 that got the attention of not only her parents and community, but her own true self. She got up to sing Oh Holy Night at a Christmas concert, and it was beautiful. Where had she been hiding all these years? God bless her, and I can relate to this 
150 fucking percent. I went through the same bullshit. I felt that was pretty much nothing, right? Because I got picked on and shit, all right? And when I got to about ninth grade, got picked on a lot again, bad year. Uh, Started sticking up for myself a little bit. Tenth grade came along better. I started maturing more. And by 11th grade, I actually got up the courage to try out and act. And that's what I did. And uh, the play I did, I had to sing. I had no idea I could sing. No fucking clue. What? I mean, I just didn't sing. That's, it's as plain as that. So I reached a point in my life where I had to get up in front of a bunch of people and sing. And I did. And I could sing. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is amazing. So this is, and it changed my life. It gave me confidence. People said, yo, you could do something really nice. That's good for you. You're doing a great job. It made me feel good about myself. And this is what happened to Meryl, okay, when she was 12 years old. She got up and sang a Christmas song at a concert, and everybody was blown away. She would eventually take on singing lessons and learned a great deal from her teacher, and her teacher's name was Mrs. Liebling. It was at the age of 14 that she began to gain more confidence as she shed her braces, wore contact lenses, drenched her hair in lemon juice and peroxide, and prepared herself for hours in the morning before leaving the house. She found that beauty gave her status and strength. She longed for acceptance from her peers. And you know what? This is no different for most teenagers at any time period. I hate when people say, oh, the kids are today. They're so this. They're so that. That's so complete bullshit. Kids will never change. Kids are the same no matter what time period they're in. They're kids. All right? They've always been that way. Kids have always been rude. Kids have always been immature. That's just the way it is, man. Back in the 20s, kids acted the same way they do today. It's just different time. That's all. The way technology has advanced, uh, the way the, the family life has changed. Okay, that's changed. Technology has changed. But kids, they have never changed. Always been the same, and they will never, ever change, ever. Kids are so impressionable at the early stages of their lives. And feeling welcome among those we walk down the hall in school means the world to us. And this was no different for Meryl Streep. She played the role of the pretty high school girl, and she did it well. But this was ultimately not her, and she knew that. She would only eat an apple most days and little else. She perfected her giggle. It was easy for her to copy someone else's behavior. Meryl would end up saying that she was the perfect imposter. She went from the ugly duckling as a small child to a perfect Seventeen magazine poster girl. And when you look at her high school pictures at classmates.com, classmates.com, she was a cutie, man. I mean, no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, you can look at uh, online. You can go on Google and look up. Just put young Meryl Streep in, and I'm sure there will be pictures that come up. And you'll get to see what she looked like when she was in high school. I mean, she was a cutie. Her grades were very good. And she found herself in honors French because she was able to imitate her speech. Streep would participate in the high school plays and got leads in Little Abner and Oklahoma. After Merrill graduated from high school in 1966, she attended the all-girls college called Vassar. 
She claims that it changed her life. Although she went in as a music major, she soon discovered that her passion was indeed on the stage. Here's a quote from Streep about her time in college. Quote, From the time I entered college, I never felt the need to compete with anyone. At Vassar, it was commonplace to give your best shot, so that became a habit. I learned to believe in myself and acquired a genuine sense of identity. End of quote. So from what I get from that quote is that it took going to college to sort of allow her to become herself. She shut off some of that uh, that uh, fakeness that she might have displayed in high school to gain attention, friends and boyfriends, so on and so forth, making her feel good around those people. But I think that as she matured and got into college, she realized that she didn't have to do that anymore. She was a beautiful woman already. She didn't have to, you know, make up things. And she really did start becoming herself. She took a year off after graduating from college. Next was winning a three-year scholarship to the Yale School of Drama. Very impressive. She performed in plays such as A Midsummer Night's Dream, The Father, and Happy End. With each and every role, she gained more and more confidence. And with this confidence, she ended up moving to New York City after her graduation from Vassar in 1975. It was at the Joseph Papps Public Theater where she did her first New York stage work in a play called Trelawney of the Wells. The public theater actors included friends such as Mary Beth Hurt and John Lithgow. Yes, John Lithgow. Now there is an actor as well, and I'm going to talk about that guy. Don't you worry about that. Streep received rave reviews for her performance in Trelawney of the Wells, and this led to her auditioning for two plays at the Phoenix Theater. Guess what? She got both the parts. One was Tennessee Williams' 27 Wagons Full of Cotton, and the other was Arthur Miller's A Memory of Two Mondays. In the Miller play, she had to completely change her character at intermission, and the audience was stunned at the transformation from the first half to the second. Now this led to a Tony Award nomination. It was soon after this that Streep was receiving interest from the movie studios and was soon cast in her very first film called Julia, alongside Jane Fonda, Vanessa Redgrave, and Max Snell. Most of her scenes ended up on the cutting room floor, which is common, especially if that's your first film and you don't have a really big part, you're probably going to find a lot of your scenes not in the film. Now, it is reported that Streep was horrified at the experience. Seeing herself on film was one thing, okay? But she also realized that they had dubbed her voice in a scene that just didn't make sense. She said to herself that she didn't want to do movies anymore. It just wasn't for her. Maybe just stage work from here on out. So that's what she did for a little while. Meryl found herself back on stage and performing in Summer Shakespeare. Then came a film she was advised not to pass up. She took the role of Linda in The Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter. You can't pass that up. And she didn't. Thank you. Okay, The Deer Hunter. I've referenced before uh, when talking about Robert De Niro. 
And uh, I had mentioned that when I was doing my research about Robert De Niro and the deer hunter came up and I had to sort of, you know, go back in time. It's been a while since I watched it from beginning to end. Now, mind you, I had seen scenes of it since then, about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I was auditioning for a film that uh, the director, Michael Cimino, was doing. So I wanted to go back and watch a movie that he did. So I got The Deer Hunter. So way back then when I was like 18, I watched it from beginning to end. And like I said, I remembered a lot of it. So what I did, uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched it from beginning to end. Wasn't disappointed once again. I mean, just... And what a funny part, the part I can't believe I forgot, but I mean, I did, was Robert De Niro... His character, uh, they went to a, the wedding at the beginning of the film. And they. it's amazing how much the characters in this film drink alcohol. I mean, it is sickening, actually. I mean, I love drinking. I'm not going to lie to you. I enjoy having a drink. I do. It sets me at ease. It gives me a buzz. I'm not going to lie. I like to drink. But in this film, I mean, they're, the way people like down hard liquor, I mean, like one after another, and they have like the shot glasses and they down it, down it. Down another one. Down, and, then and then they have like a beer at the ready. Always there. So, you know, when they're not downing shots of God knows what, whiskey or whatever, they have a beer just, you know, there for them. Just, just carry around and sip on all night long. But anyways, they get so wasted at this wedding, right? At the very end, they see off the, the bride, the groom, goodbye, and they take off in their car. Well, De Niro's character ends up just chasing the car, running after it. He's so drunk, so out of his mind that he just takes off. And everyone's like, where are you going? Man? Where the hell, what the hell is he doing? And he keeps running. And as he's running through the streets at, you know, the dead of night, he starts ripping off his clothes. It is one thing I'm really just flinging them everywhere, running down the street in a drunken state. And he ends up completely naked, right? Running around. And Michael Cimino, the director, yeah, he kept the, the thing running. And you get to see his junk float. I, I'm sorry. Did I just say junk? I did. I said junk. Because I didn't want to say the other word. I don't know why. I mean, that's what it was. It, anyway, it was hilarious. You just... <laughs> I can't... That they show that. And it's not like more talked about. Because Robert De Niro, yeah. I thought that was fun. I, I should get back on Meryl Streep. I do that. I'll... My tangents again, like I said, it happens. I apologize to those of you who are probably going, what the hell is he talking about? All right. I'm going to get back to Meryl Streep and the deer hunter now. She couldn't pass it up. And thank God she didn't. She was really good in that movie. She really was. That was her second film. Wow. Your second film is the deer hunter. It's just not fair. And I understand Meryl Streep is a huge star and one of the greatest actresses of all time. But your second film is The Deer Hunter, really. When there are so many actors out there just would die to be in any movie. And your second movie is just an epic, historic film. I mean, you know you're destined for greatness when you are surrounded by a group of actors that are on The Deer Hunter. Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, uh, you got John Cazale. Uh, it, the list goes on and on. And the director, Michael Cimino. It, just a great film. I recommend it. Once again, The Deer Hunter. It's long. I get it. And maybe there are parts, if you don't like war movies, I mean, half of it is about Vietnam. So if you're not into war movies, but the acting is it's so good. The acting is tremendous. Okay? And Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep, 
You know, they really love each other in this film. Uh, and you can see it. You know, De Niro just looks in her eyes. And he's so vulnerable to her. He can't help it. And she's just so sweet looking. She's such a sweetheart. And it's such a nice role for her. And it really did put her on the map. And guide her on the way to becoming who she is today. Now, Meryl, during The Deer Hunter, also got to star in this movie with her fiancé. Uh, John Cazal was her fiancé at this time. Now, John has come up nearly in every episode I have done. He, he has. If you pay attention, John Cazal will come up, I think, in pretty much every single one I've done. Except the pilot. Uh, and what's really weird about that is, if you look into his IMDB, I think he did about five movies. And that's it. And you know why? He passed away early on in life. He had lung cancer. He was actually very sick during the filming of Deer Hunter. He underwent different types of treatment, but he ultimately passed on. Streep was devastated. Al Pacino is quoted as saying this, quote, I've hardly ever seen a person so devoted to someone who is falling away like John was. To see her in that act of love for this man was so overwhelming. End of quote. After the death of Cazal, it seems that Meryl dove headfirst into her work. She traveled to Germany and Austria to film the miniseries Holocaust. When Holocaust was first broadcast in April of 1978, the emotionally draining saga moved audiences all over the world. While some critics disagreed with its soap opera style, everybody applauded Streep for her heart-wrenching performance, for which she won the Emmy Award, one of seven in total for Holocaust in 1979. And it was also at this time that Meryl married sculptor Donald Gummer. Don was a friend of her brother Harry, and then they had their very first child, Henry. All right, I'm going to go ahead and put a bit of a spin on this episode of Streep and try something new. We are going to highlight some of her enchanting work, then give snippets of commentary along with it. Um, I hope you enjoy this aspect. I'm going to try to play in just little snippets of things said by Streep or other actors saying something about her. I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I'm going to give it a try and see how it goes. Okay. Meryl Streep has gone from being a leading lady to becoming one of the great character actresses of all time. Her co-stars have nothing but the highest respect for her. And she always makes a point to mention that she learns something new in every project she has done. Here is a nice clip from the film critic Wade Major about Streep's versatility. Here it is. What's amazing about Meryl Streep is that she's able to completely shed who she is and completely take on whatever role or performance it is that she's, she's required to take on. Uh, most actors, if you look at them in any given performance, you'll see a little bit of their mannerisms, who they are. If you know who they are as a person, you'll see that in their performance. Meryl Streep somehow is able to just let who she is go and completely take on the, the role. And that's, that's a rare talent. In 1979, right after her first child was born, Meryl had three film releases, 
Woody Allen's Manhattan. She was so beautiful in that film. Oh my gosh, really beautiful. And I am also a huge fan of Woody Allen. I don't give a shit what is said about him offset and whatnot. That guy is one hell of a talent. You can't take that away from him. Okay, moving on. The other two films came out for Streep at this time were The Seduction of Joe Titan and the divorce drama Kramer vs. Kramer. And it was her role in this film that she won her first Oscar. Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep give us some memorable scenes. Take a look at the scene where they meet at the restaurant to discuss the divorce. He gets so heated. Hoffman, right? I mean, he's just getting, you could see him progressively getting pissed. And he actually swipes that wine glass off the table. And that was a real genuine reaction from Hoffman and that wine glass. And Meryl's just kind of sitting there taking it, you know? You could tell she wants to explode too. Okay, but she keeps herself contained, trying to keep her composure. Hoffman just, I mean, he just releases. And that wasn't planned, I guess. He just swipes that glass off the table, and that was a real wine glass. And that thing, I'm surprised and thankful that Streep didn't get hurt. Glass just breaking and shattering all over the place. I mean, Christ. Two years later, Streep would take on another role in The French Lieutenant's Woman. And next was Still of the Night. Still of the Night, that was something, that was a noir film that my whole character was about my hair and how it caught the light from the Venetian blind. And I found it incredibly boring, and so boring is is, um, hard. I love that. Did you hear that? She was honest. Very rare. Very, very rare. When actors and actresses speak freely about their work like that, they just don't. Most people put on a happy face, get in front of the camera, being all fake. Oh, it was such a wonderful, wonderful film. And they're thinking in the back of their head, that was so completely awful. And I really hope that these people are buying this shit. Most of us aren't if we know the film is really shitty. But that's, I love that. And that is one of the things that I admire about Meryl Streep. She was honest. And that goes a long way with me when uh, I think of character. And honesty is just a big thing with me. It really is. And um, it also sheds a little light on my opinion about any interview that someone gives. I'm not a big fan of interviews. And being a sports fan as I am, interviews are real big. They like to get the athlete up there and they talk about this and that. And 98% of the time, they're never, ever truthful. They always say what you're supposed to say. I actually think they have, like, written script that they memorize about any question that may come up. And they're just sort of, you know, imitating their script that they read. Uh, I had a great game. Uh, We're just giving 100%. Uh, Next week, uh, the guys, you know, we got there. We just do the best we can. And uh, next week's a new week. And we're a team, and I was you know, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna shoot myself in the head with a gun. I don't I have no idea why I even listen to that. I and I try not to. I just don't. Like if it comes on TV, I just I turn it off. I'm just like, you know what? I have better things to do with my time. So that's why I wanted to go ahead and say it's so refreshing when I heard that. Like she's really saying, listen, the director, whoever was in charge of that film, felt my hair was more important than the actual film. So that goes to show you that the film didn't do well, Meryl was not happy with it, and she expressed her opinion. God bless her. 
And also maybe if you think about it in this aspect of Streep, that's what makes her so good. Some people are just incapable of bullshit. There are some times when not being politically correct goes a long way. Break out of the monotony. I love that. Uh, Then she took on the role of a Polish woman. Wonderful. Because I'm Polish. So I love this. The film was called Sophie's Choice. And this is the part that makes this that I can see her moment for me. She's awesome in this. She crosses over in this one. No doubt. She goes from great to special. That Polish accent was dead on. It was perfect. I actually judge an actor on how good they are, no kidding, by how well they can do accents. That may sound stupid or crazy, but it is truly an art form to change your accent and do it correctly. I give a lot of credit to those uh, British actors, okay, that are trained in Shakespeare or just British, period. Okay, and they get a lot of work here in the States. And they have to change their accent. It's truly amazing. There are a lot of actors out there, British actors, who have an accent. And there are audiences that have no idea what they really sound like. Go ahead and listen to someone like Hugh Jackman, okay? Gary Oldman, do an interview. And you're going to be like, whoa. Robert Pattinson, all you younger generation uh, audiences. Go ahead and give a listen. It's pretty amazing how they have to change their voiceover. Very impressive. So here's a little clip of Streep talking about Sophie's Choice. I wasn't really right for Sophie's Choice, but I wasn't known yet. So people were more willing to accept me as a, you know, Polish woman. People, when I was researching, I was talking with survivors of uh, concentration camps. There is some fire, some really unquenchable thing, unbeatable, that in, in fact, instead of meeting someone who's looks beaten down, you meet someone who looks like nothing, nothing will get them from now on because they've been through it. Now, it is reported that Streep wanted this role so badly that she literally got down on her hands and knees and begged director Alan Pakula to cast her in this film. Streep proved that she could be a chameleon as an actress. And when she went on stage to accept her Oscar for Best Actress, she was five months pregnant with her daughter, Mammy. Another Oscar-nominated performance was next in Silkwood. It was based on a true story about a woman who worked in a nuclear power plant and dies mysteriously. With Karen Silkwood and Isaac Dennis and I felt our responsibility, but I, and a big responsibility, especially to Silkwood's family and stuff, to get it right. I really believe that this was the role that put Meryl Streep into being a household name. I really do. Uh, She worked alongside Cher in this film, and both were nervous to work together, from what I've heard. Cher was intimidated by Streep's status, and then Meryl was kind of giddy about working with Cher because she thought back to the days where she was playing on her record player, I Got You Babe, over and over again. So, uh, But what happened was Meryl made it comfortable from the very start. Cher states that on the very first day of shooting, Meryl walked up to Cher and wrapped her arms around her. When she released her, Meryl says to Cher, I'm so glad you're here. She made it warm and comfortable. Streep's other co-star, Kurt Russell, very underrated as an actor, had this to say about Meryl Streep. Quote, Working with Meryl 
was one of the highlights of my career. She gives so much in a scene that it's hard to keep up with her. End of quote. You get to see some fantastic acting between Meryl and Cher. I have to admit that I hadn't seen this one in a, in a long time, so I had to watch it again. Just one of those films that just grab you, and I very much enjoyed it. Out of Africa is a film of note. She co-starred with Robert Redford, and I remember this film being a big deal when I was a kid back in the 80s. It just seemed like they played the trailer for this one over and over and over. It just was ridiculous. I think it was like every commercial break, they had a trailer for this film. I just remember that. Um, The Neighborhood Playhouse alum, Sidney Pollack, directed this film, and it doesn't disappoint. Streep had to work in less than ideal conditions, and this is why. The animals in this film made her very nervous. And she didn't have to dig deep to get fear-based authentic performances. There was even a large beetle that had crawled down her blouse in the scene. Now, no one knew about this. But but (laughs) Meryl Streep had this huge beetle under her clothes. And I guess the scene went on for a while. It was one of those long sequence scenes where, I mean, it might have been a few minutes of filming. And she had to keep in character the whole time with this bug. God only knows. All right. I think a lot of people are afraid of bugs. Just looking at them from across the room, people are freaking out. Can you imagine something crawling on you? Like a big beetle crawling on you and you have to sort of stay in character? That goes to show just how dedicated Meryl Streep is. Very nice. Okay. Um, A Cry in the Dark is a film I want to discuss next. She plays an Australian mother that loses her baby to a coyote. It's a true story, and it created a lot of attention years before this movie came out. And it's really a fascinating story. If you ever get a chance to look it up, look it up. It's re- Look up A Cry in the Dark and go ahead and read the story about this. I guess what happened was this family, this Australian family, was on like a camping trip, right? With even like a couple of other families. Well, they're camping. They got tents set up. And I guess the uh, parents left their child in one of the tents. And it was like a baby. Like, I'm not talking about a toddler. I'm talking about a baby. And the parents, I guess the mom witnessed this coyote thing. They call it a dingo, right? The dingo ate my baby. That's where this comes from. I guess she witnessed this dingo going into the tent and taking their baby. Can you imagine that? I w- I, that? I'd be ripping my skin off if I saw that. My God. And this this freaking animal takes off with the baby and eats it. This is a true story. So the thing is, all right, this is, this is the deal, is that after all this is said and done, right, the tabloids took off on this story because... The public felt that the parents weren't grieving enough over the loss of their child. Now, people deal with things differently. And I get that. And I'm a true crime fanatic. So I get to sort of, you know, really delve into a lot of messed up cases and things like that. And it goes a long way seeing reactions from from, uh, victims' families and things like that. And see, like, maybe you want to 
go ahead and investigate this person further. They're acting fishy. I, I understand that. And I guess the public really felt that this family really was not showing its sorrow. So they started questioning whether or not they were involved with this kid's death. And the weird part is, is this family was involved in a cult as well. Oh my God. Even more shit on shit. So they putting two and two together thinking not only are they not grieving respectfully for this child, they were in a cult. Maybe they, they were doing some sort of like cult activity, sacrificing a baby. Oh, God only knows. I mean, this shit probably goes on. I'm not ignorant to the world, all right, and all the messed up things that go on. Now, I don't even want to really know about it. It's interesting, okay? Don't get me wrong. It's kind of fascinating, but very disturbing. So that's what this story was all about. And Meryl Streep played the mom, and she did a wonderful job. The, the character itself is just weird, strange. And Meryl played it perfectly. Of course, the accent, perfect. She's so good at accents. She could do any accent, I think. I think it's been proven. So she did this Australian accent. And if you've never seen the movie, go ahead, take, take a look at some pictures from that film. She kind of looks Asian to me, doesn't she? She's got that fake wig on like with short brown hair. And she just kind of looks Asian to me. It's really, really weird. Fascinating movie, a hell of a performance, a really weird story, and a movie of note. And here we go. Here's Streep talking about a cry in the dark. We were held to the script. I mean, what she said was what she actually said. What she saw, we could only put on screen what she actually saw behind the bush, in between the tent and the bush, whether that was a dog, what it was carrying. While we were shooting, it could have all been subject for litigation. And so I felt like I had to get it exact. I never copied anybody before. This, I, I tried to copy her. Meryl Streep gives us a revolutionary performance in this film. I want to share with you a quote from Vincent Canby about this point exactly. Here's the quote. There is wit, which is not to be confused with humor, in everything she does, from the remarkable accents to the physical mannerisms. Unlike most screen actresses, Miss Streep works on two levels at once. There is, on the surface the character she is creating within the context of the script. Underneath that, there is sometimes breathtaking pleasure in watching an actress exercise her talent as she reaches for and achieves the high notes. End of quote. After A Cry in the Dark, Streep decided to take a bit of a break and spend time with her family. And after doing so many dramas, she was looking forward to doing a comedy. So that is what she did. The very first uh, comedy that she did was She-Devil. I know. I know. <laughs> if you've never seen it, you're not really missing out on too much. Um, I kind of liked it, though. Hey, you know, it was a, it was one of those films as a kid I watched. Roseanne Barr's in it. Um, you know, she always made me laugh. Uh, and it was seeing a different side of Streep. You know, her doing comedy was just a nice thing to see. And she's good at it. Uh, and then she starred in Postcards from the Edge. Uh, this film was written by Carrie Fisher. And I never knew that. So I found out something new there. Very interesting. I, I guess it reveals a version of Carrie Fisher's own life dealing with the famous mother and her addictions as well. It co-stars Shirley MacLaine, Dennis Quaid, Gene Hackman, and Richard Dreyfus. 
Meryl did her own singing in the film, and it gave Streep her ninth Academy Award nomination. It was refreshing just for me to get a script that I believed in and thought was funny and thought was worth doing, but was also close to me. All right, here it is. I couldn't wait to talk about this one. Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks. This is one of my wife's most favorite movies and one of mine as well. We watch it at least once a year. We played it so much that the DVD wore out, and I'm not kidding. It just stops about three minutes away from the ending. What a tease. So we actually haven't seen the ending of this movie in about five years. <laughs> I know, right? We always say I haven't seen the ending in forever. But don't you just love that film? It's so lighthearted and clever. And Streep's character, Julia, is so enduring. Just so much fun. And Albert Brooks is a genius. Death Becomes Her reminds me of my childhood. This movie was played a lot on HBO. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis and co-starred Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis. It's entertaining because the storyline is different. And this film actually won an Oscar for Best Visual Effects. How about that? Uh, the River Wild is noteworthy. This one grabs your attention. Kevin Bacon is in this one too. And Meryl talks about really being involved with stunt work. I surprised myself because... I didn't think that the physical challenge would be as intense as it was. And I thought that they would fake a lot of these effects. And I signed on in that confidence, you know, that this was going to be me on the side of the river with the guys shaking the boat like this and the water moving behind me. I never imagined that I would be navigating class four or five rapids. I mean, she learned to navigate class four rapids. Damn, now that's impressive. You know, I watch movies that have scenes of people flying down the river, you know, these, these nasty rivers and dodging mammoth rocks and water crashing into the little boats. And I think to myself, holy shit, people actually sign up to do this. Like they pay money. Like my brother has done this. He's gone on trips. They go out and they do like these rapids. Now, I don't know the number, like the number dip difficulty he's done. But they go out there, and I've seen pictures. There's waves crashing. God bless you. I, not for me, man. <laughs> not for me. So she was on the boat. Just, you know, her physicality really, you know, held true. She did a tremendous job um, doing her own stunts, I guess, being in that boat. People would say, hey, you know, good job on that rapid. Or, you know, hey, next time you can do a little better. Or, uh, boy, we got something really exciting coming. I was like, I, you know, I'm not a rafter. I'm an actor. I want to, you know, I want to stand on terra firma and play the damn scene with Meryl Streep. That's what I came here for. And do you know who that was just then? i give you a guess. Did you get it? Ah, ah, it was Kevin Bacon. Uh, he he co-starred in a movie with, uh, with Meryl Streep in The River Wild, which is a movie I really liked. I still do. It's good. Kevin Bacon's good. Meryl Streep is great. I, just, I don't know. There's something about movies like that, that drama, the thrill of the movie, uh, being in the canoe and everything like that. They did a really great job with that film, and I really like Kevin Bacon as well. Uh, the Bridges of Madison County gave Streep yet another Oscar nomination, her 40th. I'm, just, I'm kidding. It's not her 40th. We'll get into her outrageous career Oscar totals near the end of the episode. Hang in there. We'll get it there. Uh, Bridges of Madison County had her co-star alongside Clint Eastwood, who also directed the film. 
I figured if anything had that kind of feeling in it, it, it would have an audience and, and that's always nice to know that people are going to be out there interested. I think the fantasy of, of having a romance, even at a time in life when you're, you're figuring maybe that's passed you by due to the circumstances, especially in the housewife situation. The Bridges of Madison County, now this is just a different kind of love story. Her opening scene is so heartbreaking. You know she is just going through the emotions of an unhappy life when you watch that very first scene. She is so fucking amazing turning into other nationalities. Okay? It's incredible. Just incredible. She plays an Italian woman in this one, of course. Something different. Why not? Let's do Italian woman now. Nails it, of course. And I can't get over the fact how truly amazing she is. Now you could see why she is nominated so many times. Marvin's Room is worth a watch. Just because you have DiCaprio, Diane Keaton, and Robert De Niro as well. She received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1998. There is so much electricity in Beverly Hills. I visited there when I was 16. And uh, I went and saw the big houses and visited all the studios and so on. And walking down the sidewalks and seeing all those stars on the ground. All those famous people. It's just so surreal. Kind of creepy in a way. Um, how we place these people on pedestals still amazes me. How we place all these people we look up to on a higher level. We almost see them as, I don't want to say it, but almost like a godly scent. It's like, it shouldn't be that way. And what's really what's really interesting is that a friend of mine had gone to uh, an opening of a restaurant about a month or two ago and had an opportunity to meet a star. And I'm like, dude, how did that go? I, and this is a star that I really look up to. And he's like, I really didn't go up to him. I, that stuff doesn't really mean anything to me. He's just another person. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Uh, he's right. We put these people on a pedestal like they're doing these magnificent things. I know. You know, for me, it is. Because um, acting and movies mean a lot to me. Uh, and it's not easy to do. So I think what we do is we really look up to people that go above and beyond stuff that normal people can't do. And that's what it really is. That's it. Um, I look up to these people because they're doing something I kind of wish I could do or could be doing in a way. So it's sort of a higher status. And to me, they are a little bit more important to have that status. But I mean, he really, he made a really good point and I get it. Okay. Um, the movie she did that really grabbed me was Adaptation, uh, another Oscar nomination for Streep. And the screenplay was done by Charlie Kaufman. Uh, same one that did being John Malkovich. This is a weird dude. I mean, come on, take a look at the Malkovich movie. Weird. Brilliant. Same goes for this film. I really looked at Meryl Streep differently after seeing Adaptation. It was a character she was playing that really did it for me. This character is just... It's almost like Meryl Streep was a little tainted in a way. Doing like this character. Because she was so... Doing something... I don't know. You gotta watch the movie to know what I'm talking about. It's kind of hard to explain. Doing my research, I couldn't really find a word to explain... Streep's character. It was just sort of the choices that she made in the film and the way she was portrayed was something I never saw Streep do before, if that makes any sense. 
I mean, it's nothing really bad. It's just different. Um, you really got to see the movie to understand what I'm talking about. And here's another thing. Nick Cage is wonderful in this film and is wonderful, period. I just want to get that out there right now. I'm passionate about this because there seems to be a lot of hate for Cage that I don't understand. The guy does fantastic work. It's different and unique. He tries new things, and I love actors that do that. He isn't afraid to put himself out there. And I am going to enjoy dedicating an episode to Nick Cage. Her next film was The Hours. Now, here's an interesting tidbit about Meryl Streep. Um, In going about her preparation for her role in The Hours, it was reported that she will decide on a certain piece of music that inspires her to give a genuine performance. And she plays it over and over and over again. And I found this pretty cool. I think in every single production that she does in any role that she takes on, she goes ahead and tries to find a song that helps her with the role, helps helps her become the part, the character. And once she figures out that song, she plays it over and over and over again, and maybe in a way it helps it sink in a little better or keep her going with the momentum, so to speak. And I thought that was pretty interesting. That's something maybe that if I was in the business and doing well and acting, things like that, that's something that I would do because I find music to help me a great deal in my artistic process because I, although I don't act anymore, and the last time I acted was, uh, God, when was that? 97, 98, right? Oh my God, way too long. And I miss it a lot, but I still write. And sometimes when I find myself struggling or I have a writer's block, as they say, I will go ahead stop writing, and I'll just play some music, and I find music to get me inspired again. So her doing that, I can see that helping me in a way, too, and I I like that. Um, The Hours is a great film. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but um, everyone's acting in the cast is perfect, I remember. I I remember seeing that with my wife a few years ago. I I enjoyed it. Um, The miniseries Angels in America is a project that Streep was very proud of. I, I do find that Streep has slipped into the category of being a character actress as she gets older. Um, it just it suits her just fine. And she's able to make that transition into beca- becoming a character actor instead of a leading lady. And as she's getting older, roles are going to start becoming hard to come by, so to speak. Well, roles that she may want are not going to be there anymore once you get older. And I think that's probably a hard thing to comprehend, understand, or just to get through. Uh, and you have to make that decision. Listen, Meryl, you're not getting the, the roles that you may want, but check out these supporting roles or these other kinds of roles and see what can happen. I also enjoyed the uh, movie she did with Jim Carrey, the Lemony Snicket's movie called um, A Series of Unfortunate Events, because it was great to see Meryl and Jim Carrey do scenes together. Jim Carrey is very talented. He holds a special place in my heart because I think he's one of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. I loved In Living Color, and when he started doing movies, he was the biggest thing out there. And don't don't forget that. If you were alive during that time and were witnessing that, he put a string of movies together that were hilarious. I mean, he really knocked us on our asses. And he's very talented. And watching this movie was great to see those two acting alongside one another. Okay. 
I was very shocked that Meryl didn't win the Academy Award for Best Actress in The Devil Wears Prada. Helen Mirren ended up winning for The Queen. Uh, okay. Fine. You know what? She did fine in that role. No doubt about it. But there was something really special about Meryl Streep's role in The Devil Wears Prada. That performance was absolutely and utterly flawless. I can't say that without meaning it. And I'm not the biggest fan of Anne Hathaway, but she even did a nice job too. Streep gives a performance to Remembered. Such a dominant personality in that character, am I right? Uh, Full of strong opinion and conviction. Whether or not it's moral or not, who cares? Streep just never disappoints, does she? And this performance by Streep reminded me a lot of a movie, an indie flick called Swimming with Sharks with Kevin Spacey. He played a similar character, um, a producer for a movie studio he played. And he was just completely awful to his assistant, berating him and things like that. A very powerful performance by Kevin Spacey as well. If you've never seen it, you got to go see that. That's really good. Lions for Lambs is a movie that makes you think. It's an excellent cast, and Tom Cruise and Robert Redford join Streep in this thought-provoking film. I recommend this one, and will also state that Tom Cruise is fantastic in this film. I just said that Streep never disappoints. Well, the same goes for Cruise as well. Then Streep showcases her extensive talent once again in the fun musical Mamma Mia!, It is reported that Streep recorded the song for the movie, The Winner Takes It All, in one take. One take. That is simply incredible. A great example of how talented of a singer she really is. Julie and Julia. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, my wife and I make a point to watch this movie on a regular basis. Um, Do you know who else we love as well? Is Stanley Tucci, who is in this film. Uh, Such a pleasure to watch him will more than likely dedicate an episode to him as well. Uh, But Julie Julia is a charming film to watch. And if you are a food person as well, like me and my wife also like watching the Food Network, and especially when we met back in the day and we lived in New York together, we loved watching Emeril Lagasse and all that. I mean, she learned to cook just by watching Emeril back then. And uh, so there's a special place in our heart for food films because we love to watch all that stuff how to make food and how to enjoy food so Julia Child was a great character for Meryl Streep to play and she did it very well but I do have this one thing I want to point out on Streep and I hope you don't hate me okay I saw a bit of a crack in her armor portraying Julia Child she goes in and out of her Julia voice a little bit here and there just You could tell just a little bit. This is a minor critique, but it's there. It's very subtle. Nobody is perfect. But Meryl comes pretty close. The Iron Lady gave Meryl an Academy Award for Best Actress. She also won the Golden Globe, too. Her portrayal of Margaret Thatcher was exceptional. The movie itself, eh. But watch it just to see the marvelous Meryl Streep. Other films of note are... August, Into the Woods, Ricky and the Flash, because Meryl will act alongside her daughter, Mammy Gummer. How adorable is that? Florence Foster Jenkins, 
There's a fun film, and Meryl singing once again, although it is done in a comical way, she nails it. And it looks like they're going to make another Mamma Mia. Okay, here it is. Let's go over her Oscar nominations and wins. Here are the 17 nominations. The Deer Hunter, The French Lieutenant's Woman, Silkwood, Out of Africa, Ironweed, Evil Angels, Postcards from the Edge, The Bridges of Madison County, One True Thing, Music of the Heart, Adaptation, The Devil Wears Prada, Doubt, Julie and Julia, August, Into the Woods, Florence Foster Jenkins. Oscar wins three of them. Kramer versus Kramer, Sophie's Choice, and The Iron Lady. Wow, what an episode, right? Wow, uh, truly inspiring to dive into the life and career of Meryl Streep. I mean, there are not many times I'm left without words to, to describe someone. But you know what? This might be one of those times. I Fascinating to learn about her childhood, and, now, and then how she transformed herself to become who she is today. And I want to go ahead and apologize if I came off a bit negative or angry in the beginning of the episode, because I went ahead and uh, I did some editing a few days ago, and I noticed how I kind of sounded a little angry, just negative, and, but I wanted to explain myself. I am very affected by kids being bullied or picked on. I just am. A child will go through these things and I get it, but it does something to me I can't deny. A child is precious in every way. Still fresh and innocent until the world gets their hands on them. But such is life and we live and learn. And that is what Meryl did. She lived, learned, and followed her dream with conviction. She has given so much joy to an art form that is difficult to master. Her ability to become another person is astonishing. Thank you, Meryl, for giving us so much to discuss today. I learned a lot. And thank you for listening to the Actors Room in this episode about Meryl Streep. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Subscribe to the podcast, leave reviews, leave comments. Make it a five-star review. It really helps me out. And please leave reviews. I would like to hear feedback about what people are feeling about this podcast, about the episodes I'm doing. If you're afraid to tell me it's awful, I understand. But I need to hear that. If I want to go anywhere with this, because I, here we are. This is episode number 11. And I'm going to go ahead and do another actor next week. You're going to have to wait and see. I've decided I'm going to do that from now on instead of giving you who I'm going to do next week. I think it's pretty cool that maybe it's a little bit of a surprise. I already know who I'm going to do, and I'm really excited to talk about this actor, but you're just going to have to wait and see. To end this episode, I'm going to say, put in that movie tonight. Last night, I watched a movie I'd never seen before, Sully, with Tom Hanks. I was really impressed with it. And what's really strange is I'm not a news guy. I don't watch the news every day. I find it very depressing. I just do. Uh, Some people watch the news all the time, every day. It becomes a part of their life. Well, it's not a part of mine. I find it depressing. It ruins my day. 
So I don't watch the news. So watching this movie um, on this Sully pilot that landed that plane in the Hudson River in New York City, I think it was 2009, 2009, he did this. I felt really bad. I don't remember that. It seemed like it was a big deal, right? Obviously it was. They made a really big deal out of it, and the movie was fantastic. What a great story that was. And Tom Hanks, of course, nails it. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Why I haven't thought about doing him yet is a mystery to me. It really is. I just sort of go off a feel, and for some reason, he hasn't come around yet. It comes in waves, but he will be coming soon enough. He is so good. And in this movie, he proves it once again, just how brilliant he is. So Tom Hanks will be coming very soon. He's not next, but you will have to wait and see who is next. So go ahead, put in that movie tonight, one that makes you feel happy or one that makes you feel sad. I guess it all depends on what kind of day you had today. Am I right? Put your feet up. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you and have a good one.